This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That to be joined on Football CFB by Chris Brass. Chris played at Burnley. He also played at York City. Bury Football Club, which I'm looking forward to, to chatting to him about considering the, the, the affairs going on at Bury, as we've known over the last few years. And he's also been a manager of York City and Bury as well. As well um, as that, he's also been the head of football operations at Wigan Athletic, sadly another club that has has went through the, the mill in recent years. First of all, Chris, how are you? Good, thanks, Callum. Yeah, and, and thanks for uh, inviting me on. So it's, uh, st- I think it's strange times for everybody at, at this moment, and uh, you know, I'm I'm no different as we'll probably allude as we go through the interview. It's definitely very strange, and part of that, I suppose, horrible time in football at the moment where budgets are being cut, people are leaving the roles behind the scenes at football clubs. Um, I believe that's put you in a position as well because you obviously have been a manager, as I'd said before, but you had a role at Wigan Athletic and and I imagine with the financial situation and, and everything going on in the world, it's, it's not been easy. And, and obviously at the moment, you're hoping for a new opportunity. Yeah, as I say, I mean, it, unfortunately, the administration at Wigan came out of the blue. Um, we were, we believed in quite a strong position from the football perspective um, last season, having sort of got through the uh, the first stages of the pandemic and lockdowns, etc., and actually getting back playing and feeling we'd secured our future against Stoke. Um, spoke to the manager the morning after the game, and, and we were prepared to push the button, and we had a a number of sort of solid targets ready to go for the, the following season and continue our progression as we thought up the championship and, you know, totally come out the blue for us all as staff um, to, to, to find out by lunchtime the following day that we, we'd actually gone into administration. Um, but, but as you alluded to, I, I was certainly one of the casualties of that. Um, and unfortunately, there was 75 of us lost our jobs. Um, and, and it has been difficult because of the current climate. You know, there, there's limited opportunities right now. So, been an awful lot of study, an awful lot of um, you know reflection for myself. But it, 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 in, in that respect, it's good. But uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of a reality check, really, Callum, of football right now. And, and certainly through my experiences, it's um, it, it, it shook me. But it, as I say, I think it'll actually make me stronger when I come out the other side. When you think of Wigan Athletic as a football club, it's it's a club that has been in the Premier League in, in the last um, couple of decades. It's also been a club that's caused cup shocks, notably in the FA Cup final, and even more recently against Manchester City and, and Pep Guardiola. When you were at the club, your role was titled Head of Football Operations. What does that role look like on a daily basis? Uh, and it, well, initially, it, it was um, I was at Burnley and it was a tough sort of uh, decision really because I haven't played a number of years at Burnley and then and going back into the, the recruitment there um, this opportunity come along and 
it was a tough, tough decision because I would arguably say Burnley's possibly, you know, my club. Um, I haven't spent such a period of time there. Um, and, and But I just wanted to test myself and go to somewhere a little bit sort of different and daunting was the, the opportunity. And I was quite glad that I did take it up because... You know, I had to sit interviews, etc., and go into somewhere. But there was just a feel about Wigan, and you'd see the the history and how it's progressed. Um, you know, and what the Whelan family's done, and, and it had a, a good progressive uh, chairman. Um, you know, and I, I knew the takeover was happening, so it was an exciting time. So it, it certainly appealed to me. And sort of initially, there was quite a, a broader spectrum of of things that you you had to look at from football and aspects right across the spectrum. Um, but certainly. In the, the, the latter part, uh, it, it was geared towards the recruitment and restructuring the recruitment department. That was a lot of my energy was sort of spent there. Um, I haven't discussed what the manager wanted and, and how he would shape exactly what a, a footballer would look like for Wigan and for himself. And the pleasing aspect I felt with the football club was the manager was given time. You know, he, he'd got them out of the League One. He got them, he climbed them back up the championship. Previous years, they, they, you know, they'd gone and sort of yo-yoed and, and he, he managed to keep them in the division, stabilised it, improved it. Uh, and the academy was starting to function as well. And, and, and that was a big key because the, there was players starting to come through from that and add that with the, the new acquisitions that we sort of got in that summer. Uh, everybody, we, we really did feel, you know, that we were making giant strides. Um, and I think this, that's the frustration aspect, Colin, that we... We'll never know what the, where the potential was F from myself, from the manager, from Anthony Barry, who's gone to uh, Chelsea. Um, you know, the physio, the, the, the medical departments were fantastic. Nick Mee, Sandy Proctor, but a, a you know a, a superb kind of um, analyst with that Adam Smith, which is back with, up with Alan Moore and, and my team um, in the recruitment. I had a, a good chief scout and Gary Finley, and I'd, I'd brought in Camille Novak. Um, from Burnley with me and we all felt we had a little bit more growth and we all knew we had to up our game um, so yeah I think that's going to always be the nagging doubt with me just how far could we have took it well, well you're right it's a nagging doubt for, for yourself the Wigan fans but, but crucially with this situation I think the wider football public because when the news of, of Wigan's struggles came to light I mean the football community was, was absolutely gutted considering that the, the club were having a good season they had a, a manager as you say in Paul Cook who, who really uh, was a guy who seemed to inspire his players time and time again and, and the future looked bright but Fingers crossed things can pick up for Wigan as a club and and I'm sure people listening to this, um, you uh, you won't be out of work for long, Chris, because it's, it's clear from, from those at Wigan that I've spoken to as well um, that you're very highly thought of within the game. Oh, but that's that, that's nice, as I said. I mean, you, but you don't rest on your laurels. But it, 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 you have to keep improving. And, and as I say, I've, I've been in the industry now for over 30 years, so it's... Uh, I made a conscious decision to sort of look at the other side and come away from the management, um, the coaching, yes, be a support network when's needed. Um, but I just think it's crucial that all aspects and it, it interests me, you know, the, the, the support network away from a manager and we had a good manager. Trust me, he's, he's, he's one of the best. And, and I wouldn't just say that these are not just uh, flat words, but again, he won't be out of work, uh, 
for a long time either. You know, I, I think it'll just be the, the right opportunity and fit. And um, it, it was with Wigan because it was an opportunity where he could uh, progress, you know, not just the team, but he develops players and that's on and off the pitch. Um, you know, he, he was well supported with Liam Richardson. So everybody knew what the role was. And I think that was it. And, and we all knew that we had to step up in order to to support the management and, and ultimately the, the board. So it's, was a really, really good team. And, and, and I think everybody would emphasise that, that every little part that everybody played um, and, and even recruiting people who come in. We had uh, Ian Crean who came in as, a, as our kit man. And, and it might not seem a, a big uh, part of the team coming in, but he was huge, you know, in, in just the environment that was set. And it was, it was a real jovial place to go into every day uh, and, I actually, I think that's the biggest thing. I think we all miss that, you know, you, the day in, the day out, um, and, and the magnitude of the fans, you know, they, they've stuck by it. And to, to see what they did in respect of how much money was raised is was phenomenal. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough times for a while yet, but nonetheless, you know, I, I, I was part of what happened at Bury and, and seeing that go, certainly, you know, you don't want that to happen with Wigan. Absolutely not, absolutely not. I agree, and fingers crossed that things can pick up. To, to rewind, Chris, to your playing career, you mentioned the fact that Burnley feels like your club. How did you come to sign for Burnley? Because when you were a schoolboy, you were Ipswich Town. Yeah, it was quite bizarre, actually, because we, we all thought at Ipswich we were all set and ready to go with contracts and things. Sort of, you know, you, you never know, but there's... Certainly, a lot of, of sounds made in that respect that I'd um, would would be be signing there on my apprenticeship and, and look, gearing towards being a professional. Um, and unfortunately, with that, I just couldn't actually. Sorry, Callum, I'm just kind of somebody just come to my dog. Can I just pause at one second? I hope it doesn't kill. Not a problem. That's fine. Father-in-law. You mentioned Burnley earlier, Chris. I mean, <laughs> Burnley feels like your club, but. How did the move to Burnley come about? Because as a schoolboy, you were at Ipswich Town and I believe you even thought you might have got a contract there as a pro. Yeah, no, I think everything was alluded to in respect of that. And, you know, as a youngster, you you go, um, fantastic club, Ipswich, and, and we all thought we were guaranteed apprenticeships and, and professionals. And just a little bit of change behind the scenes, a new manager come in, John Lyle, um, and I think it was the first harsh lesson that you learn in football that nothing is guaranteed and you have to, to work for it. So um, it was quite difficult. So it was a late kind of decision or, or informed. Um, I had been at Burnley prior at a number of clubs, as you do. Um, when I was younger, it wasn't kind of run like academies. Oh, now when you go in at a young age, so you, you could only sign associate schoolboy forms um, from the age of 14. So just prior to my 16th birthday, I think, you know, I really need to get a football club. But I can always remember being invited um, to, to Burnley. And it was it was a tough one because I, I didn't know uh, whether to sign for them at the time. Because the manager at the time, Frank Casper and McDockery's assistant, really looked after me, my family, my grand. I remember my grand coming down um, and, and having a, a Benny and Hot, which is, is quite... A, um, a, a treat for, for the Burnley area and I'd never heard of it but great me and my grander I really enjoyed it prior to the game but that, that hospitality that feeling and, and it's why I've settled in the area you know I'm 
Maddie the girl from Burnley and, and, and my children being brought up here as well. Um, so that, that's kind of why it, it alludes that it was my special place and having spent the, my apprenticeship here, um, made a lot of friends. It, it, it is, it's a, it's a special club. It really is. I think once anybody who comes, you, you, you can't take it away. It's just, uh, it gets inside your, your blood and you, you do, you, uh, there's a bit of claret and blue it will always be within me. Um, which hence it was a tough decision to, to move on. But, uh, I really just wanted to test myself to, to, to come away from Burnley and, and uh, standing on me on two feet. And, and I said that to the manager, if I, if I come back again in another capacity, it, uh, you know, I'd feel it was because of my doing and I'd gone away and, and, and earned me stripes a little bit more. Um, and, and I think that was something I, I took from being a player manager. If you, I, I wasn't ready uh, at that time. So you've got to go and learn and, and make yourself better and, and, you still can, you know. I, I I strive to, and till till I draw my last breath, I'm sure everybody can keep learning something new every day. And before you made your your Burnley debut, you, you had a loan spell at Torquay United. What did that teach you about the, the physical elements of football, especially at professional level? Well, I, th- I think the first thing that it teaches you is um, your your navigation skills, because we didn't have sat navs and we didn't have mobile phones, so. It, it was kind of a last-minute um, call on, on a, a Thursday. I'd, I'd uh, had a, a phone call. Would, would you travel down on the Friday? Um, spoke to the manager there, Donald Reedon, who asked me to, to travel down. And I had to get to Torquay by 5 o'clock in order to sign the forms and get them faxed off. So it was a whirlwind. Um, and I remember getting the paint and, and almost to Torquay, ringing up, saying, look, I'm going to be on time. Uh, and it was a little bit like a deadline day. I managed to get the, the, the fax sent across at five to five. Hadn't met the teammates. Um, and, and you're making your debut the following day against, you know, Mansfield Town. Um, you know, I remember it vividly. Mark and a guy called Kevin Nortman, who, you know, seasoned professional and winning 2-1. And, and that's it. Then you create lights and you start believing. A little bit of trust in yourself. Um, and within three months, you, you know, the, the manager's calling you back because... We, we'd had uh, Liverpool in the cup and, and Jimmy Mullen wanted me back to, to be part of the squad. So it, it, it was something that you, I, I'm strongly believing as part of players' development that they should follow a loan strategy and get used to what you, you were asking on the physical elements because it's a lot faster, it's a lot quicker and it means something more. Um, and, and until you actually taste it and understand it, um, you know, it, it, fantastic for development, your youth games, your reserve games, uh, under 23s now as it is um but the, the actual cutthroat business of football on a saturday it, it really didn't half um give me that chance and to the to the point that i actually went back and helped talkie later in my uh days where alan nailed and, and managed to keep them in the league um you know and, and I was just glad that I could give some to back, went and did it for nothing. It was something bizarre, but it was uh, no, fantastic times and, and still a lot of good people, actually, who were there um, from my first time. So I've been fortunate that I've gone to clubs that have that kind of family feel and Torquay certainly one of those as well. And in terms of Burnley, the club under Jimmy Mullen relegated to the second division and you are really given your, your, your chance to establish yourself in the team from Adrian Heath and you, and you certainly do. Just just what was it like becoming a, a regular member of the Burnley first team and, and what was Heath like as a coach? Because he's still out in the States to this day coaching away. 
Yeah, no, good. I think he'd obviously been a player manager with us, so he'd seen the, the potential in a, a number of the youngsters, um, myself being one, and was was very honest. Um, I think that was the key. He, he, you know, he knew what your strengths and what your weaknesses were, and he he, he made you know that. Um, and he had a fantastic coach with, in John Ward alongside him, who there was just a good blend. We had a, a good mix of experience and, and uh, as I say, some talented young players coming through who were, were hungry. Um, and, and we all had that desire and, and it really was the, the dressing room, you know, was, was fantastic. I think, again, the potential was, was huge and, and Adrian made a decision to actually go to Everton with Howard Kendall. Um, and it would have been interesting just how that team would have fared because it was, it was there was an awful lot of us who were hadn't reached our peak. And, you know, I, when Stan came in afterwards, it was Chris Waddle and then Stan. I, I, I was the, the skipper at, uh, at 21 of Burnley. So it's kind of, it shows you how young I was when I um, had broke through and, and then become the, the skipper after the sort of my fourth or fifth manager, I think, at, at Burnley. It was kind of a baptism of fire and, and that understanding that, you know, football is changing managers don't really get the time I feel they deserve. Um, but that that's something that I like when I'm on the, the either the operation side or the, or the recruitment side is you can support the managers. And I think that's the key. And I, I think that was going to, that's going to be the element moving forward for that kind of, you talk sporting directors, directors of football, whatever, whatever title people give it. I just think you should be a support mechanism because trust me, the hardest job in football will always be that head coach or the, or the first team manager. And in terms of Chris Waddle, I mean, what was he like as a, as a manager? Because he was undoubtedly a great player. And, and another guy I've got to ask you about who was there at the same time as Chris Waddle is, of course, the legendary Gordon Cowens. What was he like as well on the park and his influence off it? Yeah, um, I, I think what you, you, you understand, and I, I know going through my coaching badges, as players... Chris, Chris is phenomenal, absolutely world-class, um, you know, and, and you understand why when you, when you play with some of these players, um, and I'll move on to Gordon because I hold him in that high regard as well. Um, that's what they are, the players. And, and I think when you become a manager or when you become a coach, well, this is something that's secondary. And it's why we all don't become good managers or coaches because um, it is different. So, you know, looking after yourself, uh, I had experiences of it when going to York and got quite frustrated. Why wasn't everybody as fit as me? Why didn't everybody as professional as me? Why didn't people do it how I did? And you've got to stop and step back and think, well, no, no, we're not all the same. Um, and, and I think Chris got frustrated with that because of his ability. I think he expected a little bit more. Um, and you've got to remember that he was new to it. But towards the, the latter part of the season, we actually... Um, went on a tremendous run and promotion form running in order for us to, to stay in the division. But I still don't know the reasoning behind it, uh, why he stepped away. Might not just have been for him, but I'm, I'm sure if you ask him and, and I've walked in his shoes now, it's, it's it's not an easy task suddenly trying to transfer yourself from being a player to, to certainly being a player manager, um, which I, th- I think is double hard. So, I think he just realised and understood. Hadn't given given a bit more time, a bit more experience. Yep, his knowledge was phenomenal. His tactics were, were quite good. But as I say, I think it's it's the actual managing of the group and setting that environment, and, and that's key, you know. And, and that's something 
that, that I spoke about at Wigan, that, you know, the, getting that right is and that balance, it doesn't half give you that extra 10, 20% from everybody. And, and that's on and off the field. Um, in respect to Gordon Cowens, wow, what a player. He's, he's, Eyes were going at the end, which was uh, was quite funny. But uh, you know, I was playing wing back in, in the team um, at the time, and I remember him. He just said, "If I put my hand up, just just take off." And he was like a quarterback. He would just hit the ball in the corner, perfect weight. All I had to do was run as quick as I could, and then just put the ball in the box for someone to score. It was that simple. So these these class of player, they, these make you look good, good players. But as I say, little tokens and understanding again why they are top players because the the uber fit um you know and, and they just do everything right and as i say they they don't have many off days you know every, every professional footballer has a talent but the the you do see with the the, the higher echelon of ones they just do minimize the, the amount of mistakes and and uh and, and they're just all the professionals so it's, it was good for me to sort of think right uh, this is what I've got to reach. These are the standards I've got to reach in order for me to progress my career. So that that was a good time for me also. Having a goal scorer in the team like Andy Payton, I've been lucky enough to speak to Andy. Th- does that give you confidence that even when the club was going through a difficult spell, that you had a player in him who knew where the back of the net was? And if you as a team could give him the service between him and Andy Cook, you knew the goals would be there? Huge, huge. I was listening to a podcast last night with Les Ferdinand on. Um, when he, and same thing, they have this selfish breed and, and, and he openly said it and, and, and Andy had that. But I've got to say, he knew every single little sort of goal I'd set up for him. And he's come across, you've assisted me in 12 of my goals this season. And, and he knew to the, and I'm thinking, have I? I didn't realise. I just thought, well, I'll just keep it in the right area. And if he's not there, well, I'll have a go at him. But <laughs> trust me, he was in the right area. So... They know that that fine detail, and, and Peter was exactly that. And um, you know, he, he's timing every single club, be it Celtic, Huddersfield, you know, Barnsley, Hull, and, and, and ourselves at Burnley. He was a, you know, he, he got called the Paddy and Predator here, and, and he was. He, he just absolutely oozed off goals, and he was a major reason why we had the turnaround. Um, and, and it was kind of the catalyst ready for Stan to come in, um, and then. That was the, the the turn of the fortunes of Burnley, and thankfully we all started climbing the leagues. And it, it, it was the foundations, I still believe, for, for where the club is today. I've been lucky, as I say, to, to speak to Andy. I've also spoken to, to Steve Davis, Jamie Hoyland, and when, whenever anyone talks about Stan Tournament, they always say that you, you knew exactly what he wanted from you. For yourself and, and from your perspective, especially playing in defence, is that crucial to have a manager that tells you as it is and what he wants? You, you, knew, you knew from day one where you stood with Stan and... and um... He just didn't hold back, but he kept it in, in, you know, the only time I think he ever let anything out of the dressing room was he did this fantastic radio interview about four players would never play for the club. It was compelling listening, you know, back in the day that that was the, the, um, the sort of medium for listening to after game, um, you know, from the manager's uh, interviews and and we, we were all, sort of texting each other saying, he's on live. Have you heard what the manager's saying? And, and as I said, but he, he, he stuck to that and, and, and he just knew what it took. He knew, he understood what Burnley was about um, and he knew what was needed. And I, I remember his first sort of statement when he come in was, right, this is it. Um, I'm taking this club forward. If you want to hang on to me coattails, hang on. If you don't, 
well, for want of a better word, F off. And it was as simple as that. It was as blunt as that. Um, you had to hang on. And, and, you know, someone massive, massive respect for. And like everybody, we had our ups and downs. We had our fallouts. Of course you did. But you didn't have to respect each other because he didn't hold grudges. That was it. It was done. It was said. And when that ball moved the next game, you know, he had a, a, a little few sayings that we we as players did. But he, again, he knew how to get a dressing room right. He knew what characters were in there. We managed ourselves an awful lot. And he, he kind of made it a little bit at times, uh, uh, him against us. Um, but I've got to say, we were all in it together. And it was, it was a, one of his sayings of peeing in the same pot. We, we all did. And, and we we still do, you know, we, we, we come together and, you're still everybody's it's like a band of brothers. You 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 feel family, um, and and Lenny John Rose has, has gone through tough times of late. But you know you'll all try and come together and, and help each other out in in a time of need. So you know that that doesn't just happen. You know that, that that's designed a little bit, and I, and I think Stan's got to take a lot of credit for that. He finishes first fifteenth uh, in his in his first season. Then he, he gets the club promoted to the to the to the first division, finishing um, second to get you promoted. That season you didn't play as many games. There was a lot of competition for places. You had a month loan um, spell with Halifax, of course, as well. But crucially, you still contributed to the season when the club are promoted. Just how strong was was that Burnley team? Because you had Paul Cook, Glenn Little in midfield. You had Steve Davis um, as well, as I mentioned earlier, who was still playing. And then, of course, oh, the, the the signing that that many people still talk about for for the glamour, I suppose, Ian Wright comes in uh, as a striker. What was it like when Ian Wright stepped into to the building? Fantastic because he was so humble, and I think we 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 didn't know anything about it. Stan had managed to keep it under wraps, which, as I say, I don't think he could do that now in this current uh, age and, and, and internet. But uh, we, we can remember coming away from a training session, and there was a phenomenal Ferrari car, or and, and we were like, "Who the heck have we signed now?" Um, and, and bless him, there was no righty in in the dressing room, just humble as ever, wanting to meet us. Um, gets a sponsored car and he wanted a mini and you started giggling at yourself because he wanted an old school mini to, to go flying about Burnley in. But I think what he did do, and it was, it was another stroke of genius from Stan, he took all the attention off us. It was everybody wanted a piece of Ian. And if you look at, you know, as he come into the side, his contribution was, you know, on the pitch was, was small, albeit he did score quite a couple of goals that were crucial. Um, but the, the team had to just function and get on with the job. And it could probably got us over the line, albeit um, very, very close at Scunthorpe and, and reliant upon Gillingham's result. Um, but it was, he, he, he was a blinking good team. And as I said, even to go to, when I went to Halifax, I'd, I'd got injured. I couldn't get back into the team and they were doing so well. So I went somewhere to get fit to try and get back into the team. But it was, um, it's, it's just what you had to do. Uh, and, and as I said, even I think Stan questioned at the time the Halifax weren't doing too well but I helped turn them around I was there to get fit, it was the selfish nature of myself, if I can help Halifax I can help myself and then still come back and, and function, you know there was no reserve games going on it was, it was, it was a, I'm not too sure everybody would want to do that but I think you should you know you're playing games, how do you get fit go and play so no, no it was um, special time but every, again he just come in and he fit in I think he enjoyed his time um, with us as well. 
and it was he was just welcomed straight into it it, it and to be fair if if you weren't you know of that ilk or if you didn't fit in you, you quickly got discarded you know the, the dressing room was quite ruthless you know the the uh they wouldn't mess about if they if if you came in that dressing room they didn't think that you were going to help them get in promotion you weren't there very long and, and trust me stan didn't keep you hanging about the place if he didn't think he was going to be able to utilize it in order for it to get to where we wanted so no he, he was a massive signing but as i said a lot of credit's got to go to the whole squad in that Absolutely, the, the squad really, um, as I say, was a tight knit bunch. You, you mentioned the, the attitude that, that you had to to have to play understand at Burnley during those times. Who were the big characters in the dressing room from the outside looking in? Glenn Little comes out, well, screams out to me as being someone that was a big character. No, no Blake, he was unbelievable. He was uh, he was just full of, from the day he walked into the building. He was just full of life. He signed from Glenn Torrum, and he can remember him coming, come straight into the card school, sat right into it. Crash bang wallop, um, make us a cup of tea. He, he, he used to come round my house and put his feet straight up on the sofa and oh, what we're having for tea, love, and that was it. And he's thinking, well, oh, go on then, Glenn. <laughs> so yeah, he 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 was um, just a confident and unorthodox player, but he, he, he was such a talented talented boy. But as I say, those huge characters and, and even players, you Ronnie Jefferson, who didn't function every game. But you knew what you were getting. He was on the bench. Gordon Armstrong brought experience. Paul Cook was phenomenal. Mickey Mellon. Steve Davis was part of it. Mitchell Thomas come in. Coxie, Dean West, Lenny John Rose, Paul Weller. It was right the way across. Andy Cook, Andy Payton. I mean, with all due respect, when I'm, I'm rolling off the tongue, and I'm, I apologise, I probably left one or two out. Um, the Every single player for me was, was a... a, a a quality, quality player with something to prove. I think we all had that little bit of, you know, little. there might have been things happened along your career and you're like, well, no, we definitely got a little bit of something to do and prove here. And um, we were all in there. And and, and also there was a, the inkling of Paul Smith, John Mullen, myself, Paul Weller, who'd come through the youth ranks. So we knew what it took as well. Um, so that was brought and bred straight into, you know, um, that this is what's needed, this is what you've got to do, this is the Burnley way, uh, and the Stan would say it was his way or the highway, and that was it. It was as simple as that. There were no pack drills, there was no grey areas, it was black and white, do it this, do that, and that was it. Simple as that. Overall, how do you look back on on the spell at Burnley? Because you, you clearly have a lot of fondness for the club, as we've discussed, and I imagine that the success that they're having now as a Premier League side is something that fills you with a lot of joy, especially when you reminisce about getting them back to the Championship as it was at the time, understand, as, as we've just mentioned. No, it's huge, because it, I think that's what's bred into you, and, and, and you know, if you know it in the history of, of the club and knowing how successful they were, um, during those periods felt a little bit of pressure at times as, as youngsters coming through because everybody used to talk about oh we won the what was then the Premier League the first division they'd gone on this unbeaten run of games and we knew all about this and fans remembered it trust me all the old boys used to and you think great we may and, and there was a, like a weight of expectation so to actually you know to, to see that the club's got there you've you've played a part in the turnaround and then, then to go back and it was lovely going back to, to Gawthorpe and seeing the transformation and, and you know, again, I think Sean's got to take a lot of credit um, for, for what's stamped into that football club now and 
I see a lot of similarities of, of, of what Sean's created to how Stan was. And that's why you've, you've got to doth your cap to how good managers they are because everybody knew what Burnley Football Club was about. Understand that I felt that when I went back in under um, Sean that, you know, he's a gaffer. He, he's a property. He, he's, he's a man's man. He, he spoke about it. The, the, there's a, a mantra about the place. It's there. It's, there's hard work. There's desire. Um, and, you know, I, I just felt that. I felt part of it. And as I say, it was... Um, it was really interesting seeing you can just see why um, and probably the reason why they'll get out of it again this season, you know, that Burnley against the powers and the pyramids of football, you know, it's, it's challenging. Um, but to think that he do, he's done it year in, year out now um, and, and he's still all on his own. Again, you, I, I don't think he gets as much credit as what he really should. And I know people do give him a lot of credit, but I, again, I, I still feel it's it's not as much as what he deserves. When, when you decide to, to leave Burnley, why did you choose York City? Obviously, they're a very hi- historic club. Um, w- was it a move that you made because of, the, of location or for, or was that just a club that at that time you really wanted to join over any others? No, it was bizarre. It was a tough one because Standard Sport I mean, told, told me honestly, I, I was struggling. I've got to be honest. I I, I, I wanted to play and and because of my lack of game time, it was kind of, it, it was, I'm not one who could just sit on my backside and just pick up money and think, oh yeah, well, there's another new contract where I've been offered, go and sign it and pick up my wages. It, it's, it never has been me. It wasn't me. Um, so a number of clubs had, had tried to speak to me, um, but it was, it was through the chat with the, um, the, the old chairman there, a guy called Dougie Craig, Who's, who's from your neck of the woods, um, Wiley or Fox, um, and, and a manager, Terry Dolan, who Stan had actually worked under. So I think, you know, Stan had spoken to Terry, must have given me a, a good reference, etc. Um, said, listen, I see what you're trying to do. If you want to build something around it, try and get Chris. Um, and, and dropping down division, it was kind of, is this the right thing or not? Because, but I have to say, coming away from that meeting, something felt right. And, and I've always followed my gut and I just thought, no, I, I want to be part of this. There was, there was a, again, a good squad. I could see there was growth in it. There was an Alan Fettis in there, Graham Potters, Alex Matthies, um, Lee Norgan, Darren Edmondson again. And I thought, oh, this is a good team. And there was Christian Fox, a very, very good youngster who sadly suffered from um, quite a few injuries. Um, John Park and people like that. So it was... It was a good squad, and I just thought, yeah, I could be part of this, and and I'll, I'll go playing, and I'll, I'll do it again. I'll climb through the league. So that that was the reasoning behind it, the decision. As I said, not geographic. I think you've got to accept as a footballer, you uh, you have to travel. Um, and, and and it was just simple. I I just felt comfortable when I went in there and thought, yep, yeah, that sounds good enough for me. Um, and it was it was it was good times. So I think unfortunately, the ITV digital. Um, hit York at the time and and, and hence it, it, we, we couldn't have progressed just how we wanted to. Talk to me about what it was playing, playing at Bootham Crescent because when when you consider the, the new stadiums that have been built, York of course are, are getting their own new stadium, um, you've got the likes of Brentford and others who are investing in infrastructure and although that's great and, and you can clearly understand why it's needed in, in, in the modern game, that the old grounds just have something very special about them. 
magnificent. I mean, we got promoted with Burnley there. You know, I remember it and it, it, all everybody on the pitch. And because you, you're right close to it, you feel it, you smell it. It's a proper football ground. It's. Uh, I remember Ollie Solskjaer talking about Bury and about how he loved playing the reserve games there. And I think, great, yeah, you played at Old Trafford, but you love Bury because it, it is there's something special about that old Eurotica Parks of this this world. And um, it is, as I say, I think it, as time's gone on, the spectacle that football is and getting fans in, yet yeah, some of these stadia are the magnificent, but there's the, the, the definitely a, a little bit of something magical about these um, older grounds. And, and Boulogne Crescent was no different. You know, it, it had a, a, a walking down in such a tight tunnel um, here in the studs, everything. It was, you, you don't get that. You come out of different tunnels now and, and, and all the rest of it. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly no argy bargies that could go on like they could at Boulogne Crescent. I can imagine. And, and, and in terms of, yourself you you were the captain when you were at york and then <laughs> remarkably um in your late 20s you get the opportunity to become player manager was there any apprehension at all from you about becoming player manager or because you were already the leader of the squad did you just back yourself and decide i know i'm young people will say i'm inexperienced as in, in managerial terms but i'm going to give this the best goal that i can yeah i, pro- I probably would say the latter um and, and, and on reflection, I was I was wrong, but I, you do. As I think I was twenty six when I got offered it. Um, you, you you are you think you're invincible. It was it was kind of we've been through tough times. I'd held it. I was disappointed at Terry Dolan and it, it, it gone, but it was uh, you, you can do this. I, I'd always had, had grandeurs of moving into coaching management, albeit not at that age. But then um, you, you quickly realise, yeah, uh, this is good, but. Again, it, it's helped me um, now or through my career, but it didn't at the time because you, as the manager then, you know, you, you're the physio, you're the psychologist, you're the recruiter, you, you're absolutely everything. You, you, you've got to do it. And, and there was just kind of myself, Lee Norgan, who was new to it, had a fantastic fitness guy and Kevin Ornsby, who'd stayed on, and, and Jeff Miller is the... Um, the physio and that was it that was your team it was like you're mixing in do your kit and everything else and, and double up um practically to the coach driver so it was such a big ask um and and then to to know that uh as, as a player i was asking uh stanny to paul stancliffe to to be on the bench while me and lee were playing and it just you know looking back it just wasn't right and, and it wasn't fair in him as a youth team manager then having to step up and doing games and um, you do you step back and think, what was I thinking? Why, why, why didn't you do something? But I just didn't know. I didn't have the experience, and as I said, that that was what made me step back. Make sure you fully understand it. You get your experience. You earn your spurs before I went back in, um, and was probably the reason and by waiting to, till you go back into a dugout. But it's. Uh, it was tough because, it, as I say, you, it was probably the first time in my life I, I felt I failed at something, but I hadn't. I just I, I just wasn't prepared for it. I just uh, it, it, it was just difficult, difficult times. Not and as well, bearing in mind that the clubs had been through administration as well, and, and you're still picking up the pieces of that. So it was kind of I, I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of wish it upon anybody, but. I'm, I'm fortunate that I've, I've come to the other side and may have a few scars, but it's uh, certainly made me stronger and, and better for it in the future. 
how tough was it mentally during that period? Because you mentioned the fact that with hindsight, you've come through it. You've been a manager in your own right where you didn't need to balance that between playing as well. But during that spell as a player manager, mentally, how tough is it in the sense that not only are you in charge of those group of players, but as you say, you still want to contribute in the park. And, and is it really, for want of a better phrase, is it really just an impossible balancing act, especially in the sort of more modern game from 2000 onwards because of the way football's grown? I mean, maybe many years ago, when you think of the likes of Kenny Dalglish, uh, you could maybe get away with it as such and you could have a coaching staff and delegate. But do you think now it's just a balancing act that you need to do one or the other? I think so. And I think... Well, it, it's at the moment we're like uh, Wayne Rooney. He's he's kind of trying to do it. My my form suffered. I was still quite young, and, and it was. And I was playing well. I, I just won Player of the Year. I, I knew my form was. I was in fine form, and and it dipped because you you are. I I didn't know it at the time. I've got to say, from a mental aspect, you were, you were brought up to be mentally tough. That was it. That was football. I I, I certainly wish we had the support mechanisms that are in place now and, and for me to relax or speak to somebody or have a mentor or do other things or or exactly as you said understand that you need a, a specialized um, group of people around you to support you but um, at the time no I, I didn't I, I knew I couldn't switch off you know and I wasn't sleeping the same as sleep patterns um, no sooner had the game finished, you're thinking about the next one. And, and as a player, you're just on recovery, you're thinking about yourself. But I was thinking about 24 other people. Um, so you, you, I actually thinking about myself. I was last on the list, whereas a player, it was all about me. And I think that's the, the, the thing that you, you quickly understand that, right, I'm, I'm looking after a group of people rather than, well, I've just got to make sure I'm right and I'm the best player. And, it might sound bizarre that as a professional footballer that you're part of a team, but you are. You've got to make sure you're right, otherwise uh, you're not in that starting eleven the next week. So you, you do. You have a, a strong group of alpha males in the dressing room who all want to beat each other. Um, as bizarre as it sounds, but if you get a good group of them that come together, um, well, you, you, you get the successes that we had at Burnley. And in terms of the club as well, see when the club goes down to the conference. How difficult is that? Because York are the sort of club, and, and, and they find that now where they are in, in the football pyramid, they're a big draw at conference level. They're, they're a team that other teams look at as a scalp. And crucially, how difficult is it to, to, to handle that? Because you see it over the years. I mean, the best example currently, you would say, is Notts County. They were synonymous with the Football League. But as soon as you go into conference football, every other team is going to play them and they see it, as I say, as a cup final, as the big scalp. Yeah, I think any team that gets relegated, you are going to be with, certainly with York. Um, and, and and again, in, in my inexperience, it, it certainly didn't help, but inexperience of, of even board members as well. I think, you know, one came out and said, oh, we'll be the Arsenal of the conference. And disjointed, you shouldn't come out with comments like that. That's just heaping pressure on the club arguably heating pressure on myself. Um, just be careful and, and, and also be respectful. And I think we've just seen in, in, in the FA Cup that, they, you know, they, there's there's cup upsets um, right across the spectrum, you know, and, and it's, you've no, you've no guarantee of any game of football, you know, that I, I, true, any player who plays at a professional level or even a semi-pro level, you are a talented. And on your day, you, you can you can just all have that special day. You all have to do it, don't get me wrong, to come together and, and 
uh, higher echelon players have to have a, an off day, but it can happen. And uh, so, no, you, you just got to be careful because they the were, there was an awful lot of teams who they wouldn't, um, they, were, they, they were coming, you were a, a league scout, they wanted to do it. And uh, yeah, that, that certainly didn't help as well um, when you find yourself in that and, and, and why the, the struggle to, you know, get back in even still. So it's, uh, it's difficult. Any team coming down, as I said, Wigan's sadly suffering a little bit of that as well. You know, it's, albeit the, the off the field circumstances, but it's it's still a fantastic stadium. I'm sure this team's going there thinking, "Oh, this is great," and uh, and, and making it even more challenging. You, you you're no longer the manager of York, but you, you're still, of course, a player because, as you say, you took the job when when you were young. After that, I imagine you're desperate to galvanise yourself, continue to to contribute in the park, but. Then you suffer a really serious injury. I mean, talk about a double whammy. Yeah, yeah I think that's again, correct me, you think in the world's uh, against you to suffer a cruciate and actually uh, not even not a normal cruciate, whether it's a twist of the knee or it's a turn or it's a, a slowing down mechanism. This was actually me winning a ball and, and a 50 50 challenge, and it was the energy of the ball. Um, from a full-blooded tackle that actually ripped my cruciate out. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, lying in hospital, thinking, you know, get being told by the surgeon you've got a 50-50 chance of playing again. Um, it, it, it alluded to from the mental side, it, uh, it was very, very dark times really. And, and as I say, I was fortunate. I think one thing it did do, it made me focus on getting fit. And I think that's what I, I put my energy into. And I remember the, the surgeon coming out. I, I was fortunate, a German surgeon who was um, a friend of our surgeon in York, who, who he'd flown across on a Bushman's holiday. He, he did Bayern Munich and he did the German national ski team and he'd fixed it. Um, and he was happy with it. And I said, well, how quick now? And he went, oh, it'll be nine months. I said, well, what's the quickest? And he went, six months. And I went, right, I'll be back in six months. And I was. So th- th- I think that in a... In a kind of bizarre way helped because I just thought just get fit that's it and I just focused all my attention on get back for six months so yeah there is a a mental aspect of me which is has to be that toughness but again there was some dark dark times and I I do I I wish there was help there um and and why I appreciate that people do need it and and I'm glad everybody does speak up about it because at the time it, it was a bit of a, a voodoo topic, really. Um, you know, if I'd have come out and said, oh, I'm, I'm struggling, and I, that that era, I, was, I used to think it was it was a weakness, and it's not. Absolutely, isn't and, and you're right, and that's it's important that, that now people can speak out, as you've said, because it's something that, that whether you're a footballer and, or whether you're you're a postman or whatever it is your job is, it doesn't matter. If, if you need support, the support should be there. And and for you, crucially, Chris, I mean, you, you went on loan to, to Harrogate, you went on loan to Southport. Did you doubt that you could then go back to the Football League? Because obviously you get that move with Bury, which is incredible as your next permanent club. But when you're in those loan spells at clubs like Harrogate Town and Southport, are you starting to think, will I ever play in the Football League again? I think I just wanted to get fit. And I was fortunate to go to Harrogate. It was a bit of a bizarre one because I was getting blocked by Billy McEwen from going from anywhere. 
Um, and I thought, is he trying to ruin my career? But then suddenly I was told I could go. And we managed to get, in the, ironically, the third round of the FA Cup and the first time in the club's history against Torquay, one of my old clubs, um, got beat on penalties. So it gave me a lift, it gave me a boost. I was part of a team, I was a leader, I, I went in there. Um, on the back of that, Southport, uh, Liam Watson wanted to take me and he sort of brought me in on loan as a... Um, uh, a player coach, you know, so I helped him out and I'm on loan. Um, got a fantastic relationship with Liam who put a smile back on my face and a great group of lads there, as well as the Harrogate lads. Um, probably relit my ignition in football and that desire and, and got it back. And again, because of my form and what I did, I, um, I got an opportunity to go in with, who was at the time, Chris Casper, the youngest um, league manager at Bury. And, and, that was the start of sort of my uh, affiliation with with Bury, so I was very very fortunate, really. But um, it was tough because it, there was an awful lot of things I was getting blocked to getting out, and a lot of madness going on behind the scenes. But uh, I did I managed to, to to get free, and, and and all thanks to you know what happened with Neil Aspen at Harrogate and Liam at uh, at Southport, and, and thankfully Chris took a chance um, from the experience and. and he saw that desire and, and it helped, as I say, in a good young team that was at Bury. It was, it was nice to go in with a few experienced boys and, and be able to pass that on. Before we, we come to, to the spell at Bury, I'm going to get the cliche out of the way. You've probably heard that a million times. The, the, the famous or infamous own goal, um, it was everywhere on television and 442 magazine, everywhere. Now, at this stage of your career, can you look back and laugh at it now? I could laugh at it straight afterwards, but uh, thankfully we actually won the game. But I don't, I don't know if I'd have been laughing if it had been uh, the result had gone against us or, or something had happened terribly that we'd have, um, got relegation off the back of the result. But it was just one of those free things. Um, and, I, and I laugh now that Cashbush Michael didn't have the uh, reactions to save it because he was, he was in our nets on loan from uh, Man City at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> to think he should but it, it was just free I actually thought the guy was offside and I was just going to whack it away and as I say whack my nose broke my nose but I thought it did straighten it because I was due surgery on that so that was an added bonus and uh, yeah listen you have to laugh at yourself and, and, and again I think it's it's one thing that I, I, I'll never get away from um, uh, and Ian Wright laughed at it on his blinking DVD on the, one Christmas but such a Get the royalties and move on and laugh at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And in terms of um, Bury Football Club, Gig Lane, of course, an iconic ground that sadly no football has been played at for, for a long period of time as we speak. You, you mentioned uh, the likes of Casper Schmeichel coming in on loan. What was it like being at a club like Bury? Because uh, logistically, of course, are close to the, to the two big Manchester clubs, which must help with with loan players. But for you, being being a more senior pro at that stage of your career, what was it like being in there, helping those young lads along? Well, I think again, Bury is one of those clubs that's the prestige. It's it's, it's one of the original founder members, um, and it's a family club, and and there's, there's still people affected. And I think that was the hard part. For, for me, knowing that the, um, the, the there was people there from Jill, Jill Neville to Joan, um, you know, it's, 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 it's sad. It really is. I've got to say it's, it, it hurt that, that that's the thing. It still hurts um, because 
there was part of it that comes out that it, it, it was, you know, the, the money's due to myself that was admin. And, and as I say, I've, I've, I've got to be careful what I do say in, in that respect with everything. But everybody within reason knows the story. Um, it, it should never have got to that. It, 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 it just shouldn't. You, people shouldn't be allowed to do um, what's happened to Bury Football Club. And for it to go under, um, and and everybody has to have a good look at themselves in respect of that. And what's happening down the road now, at Wigan, it, it can't happen. And Lightning struck twice, and it, it needs addressing, and it has to be addressed more strongly than what it is being doing right now. Um, and I could probably allude to this to go hours and hours, so I'll I'll be careful. But it's it it, it hurts me as I say when you a family like the Curtis's with John and seeing that what I would say even affect her children who, who were still employed at the football club and, and, and real good people. Um, you know, Gordon Sawfleet was there for years. Didn't go away. And all the players, again, I think anybody who goes to, uh, to Bury spoke as affectionately about that club as what people do about Burnley. It just had that magical feel to it. Um, and yeah, it did. It, it, it still hurts me to this day. You, you played for, for Bury. You managed the club. You were the head of the Centre of Excellence. Um, just just somewhat what the club means to you. Um, I know you, you've, you've partly partly done it there, but what did it mean to you as a player and then managing the club? Because the, the managerial spell at Bury is different to the spell at York because when you were in charge at Bury, you were the manager. You were focused on that role. Yeah, I, I, I... Do you know, I, I think I'd have been comfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm ambitious and, and, and I wanted to go on. I wanted to take Bury as far as you, you could possibly do it. Um, and if opportunities come along, we did do it. We, we Myself and Alan Neil did leave once to go and, and think the grass is green at the other side. But I, I was comfortable that you could, you, you, it was again your club and you could have, you could have made it into something so special. We actually did. And, and again, the, we got the academy right. There, there was still things in. In players from from my time there, and, and Chris Casper had done some good work. Chris Beach, who's still managing, had done some good work. I, I'd picked up the baton. Uh, Mike Sharon had done some great work there, and he's now doing something with with um, with Blackburn. And uh, and and then as we'd left, you know, Vince Overson and Alan Moore coming, and, and it was still rolling on. There was still Richie Barker then come in and done it. So the actual bearing fruit of that academy was when, when I went back in my second spell. All of that, that good work and all that work of good people who, who are still many have involved in, in good positions in football. Um, it was it, it, there was more growth, and it, as I said, it shouldn't happen, you know. And then Ryan Kidden came in and, and did it and fantastic. And again, he's gone to Blackburn now, but it, good, good people who, who uh, real emphasis on youth, and that's what Bury was about. It was it was given. Youngsters a chance, and, that, and, and hence why, as I say, I enjoyed your Dave Buchanan's and, and Nicky Adams, um, you, you know, helping them develop and, and, and have careers, and and then seeing where they go, and then helping other youngsters, and that that was the nucleus, that was how it did, and then I have to have to sell a youngster that would help us uh, finance it. It was a good blueprint and one that worked, um, and sadly, the the, the mismanagement of that is uh, is left it where it was to this day. And as I say, it was 
it, it was sad for me to leave and and but it it, it is it's, it's it's a huge place as I say the, the pair of them the, the clubs Bury and Burnley you, you can't I think there's mm-hmm. it's always going to be a, a huge huge part of those you know in, inside me forever mm-hmm. as I say till the day I pass. Absolutely, and and in terms of yourself, we, we talked at the very start that you're open to opportunities, and as I say, I, I haven't spoke to people that have worked with you, I've no doubt that those opportunities will come. Just before you go, I want to ask you about a couple of big characters. Um, first of all, I need to ask you about John Parkin. What was he like um, during his spell at York? Because he, he's, he's a player who I think every single football fan admires from the point of view of and John has said this himself multiple times, throughout his career, let's just say he wasn't a, a primed athlete the way that, that maybe some of the modern Premier League strikers are now, but he sure knew where the goal was. Oh, his character, fantastic. But as I say, he, he was one, the challenge where you're thinking, why are you not like me? Because I'm, I'm thinking, John, you've got all this talent. If you're as fit as me and you do it and do this and do the other, you'll be even better. You could play for England. And great feed for a big man, but as I say, he was what he is. But that was something that you've got to learn. If you'd have took that little element out of John Parkin, well, it isn't John Parkin, it isn't the beast, it isn't the, the, the guy that we still love, you know, he's still doing quite a bit of media work now and, and with his book. So you've got to quickly understand take a little bit of John Parkin away where well, you haven't got John Parkin, take a little bit of Chris Brass away from what I was, where I might have been a bit more straight laced and, and, and dedicated. But that was me, that was my strength, that was my. What, what made me ultimately have a career as a professional footballer, but take away that little bit of um, maverick of John Park and we, we had lost something in John. And as I say, I think that there's the, the pleasing aspect, but wow, what a character and, and never changed. Still doesn't, you know, if you meet him now and, and uh, when I was managing the academy, he, he must have had a fallout with Tony Pulis and he's doing his pre-season and crikey me party, bless him. He was running around and he was, snail's pace but then he comes running away from the run to give me a big cuddle and I'm thinking the manager's over there Park. he's going to be he's going nuts at you he just didn't care he, he was more interested in saying hello to me saying how I was um, and he went ah whatever and, and away he went and I just thought fantastic you know and there's elements that you, you, you wish you can put in, inside yourself like that such a carefree attitude but great great lad and, and as I say fully deserved to have such a good career that he did and in terms of others that you've played with, you've played with a few players that have that have went on to be managers in, in their own right, just like yourself. I mean, you, you talked about Graham Potter earlier. Did, did you foresee Graham Potter going on to be a manager because he's had incredible success in, in his short managerial career so far? Yeah, uh, I think Graham, scholar of the game, a bit like myself, you, you, you go away and study it very... Um, you know, driven and, and, and wanted to learn about the, the game. Um, a bit frustrating that we lost him during the administration, to be honest. would have been nice to to work alongside Graham a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, and, and, and I respected the fact that he took a tremendous challenge in, in going abroad to Sweden and um, doing, you know, the whole nine yards of, of taking his family there, living, seeing a different environment. And I'm sure... It, that's helped him because he, he's seen it and there's not many managers challenge themselves or players actually in England to, to go abroad and see a different culture and, and um, he, again he's done it the right way he's, he's earned his stripes he did a fantastic I think the, the run that they had in Europe Ostersons against you know and I remember watching him and being proud against Arsenal and things and he has and, and he's grown he's gone to Swansea and, and he, there's more growth in Graham as well I, I do I believe he's going to be 
um, a good strong Premier League manager for, for years to come and, and who knows, he, he may actually even go to the higher echelons, sorry to put pressure on your pots, but it'll, uh, he might even go as far as being considered as an England coach if he can continue because he plays a good solid style of football, um, sticks to his beliefs and he's always been as quite a strong character but uh, no, it, it doesn't surprise me what he's doing. A few quick fires for, for you about your career. Other than the clubs you played for, what was your favourite ground to play at? Uh, I, I, I had a real uh, desire at Anfield. I, I did, uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s in Liverpool, being the team that they've probably shown they are now. Um, yeah, there's something special about the cop and going there. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's atmospheres. It's, it, you, you sense that. And, and I, that, that's the good thing, I think, even now about the new stadium. There is, is a there's a good feeling, good crowds, and we're missing them. I mean, the games I've been in at the moment, it's uh, you just really understand just how important fans are. Um, and the sooner we get them back, the, the better. But they're, they're, the, they're the games. They're the ones that you remember, they, they, you know, the full hours. Even Main Road was, was, was a special place as well with Man City. And they, they, they are. It's just full capacity, big games, I, I always used to enjoy playing under the lights. I always think that they have magical sort of feelings to it, um, you know, night games. But uh, yeah, I think Anfield was definitely one of the best, if not the best. Wembley was is good. Um, as I say, it's uh, it's a good place to win. It's not a good place to get beat. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, and in terms of grounds um, that you've played at, is there a particular ground for whatever reason you, you just thought to yourself, oh, I just don't like playing there? Uh, no, I don't think I've ever had a ground or a, a, like a bogey ground. Um, no, I've, I've never come away. I might say Darlington after that blinking on goal, but they shut it down, so I was quite glad about that. But no, was, uh, but no, no, no nothing. I never, never, never really um, did think. I think, as I say, it's, it's on reflection now when you finish. It's when when you're there. It is. It's bizarre that you do cut out the crowd when you're in the arena. Um, and there's only certain times when you, you'll, you'll hear it. It's, it's, it's actually probably more difficult playing in front of a lesser crowd um, and, and hearing everything. But uh, no, there isn't, Callum. I, I cannot see it and, and look back and think, oh, great, you may always had a run around there or I had a bad time. I, there's nothing that really sticks out. In terms of opponents, who would you say was your toughest direct opponents? Paul Scholes, he's unbelievable right the way through. He's from youngsters playing against each other to, you know, the, the echelons. He, a lot of people say it, but he, he was just he streets ahead. He's he's special, special player um, who just just knew what he was doing three steps ahead. You know, he he was getting a one four seven break before I'd actually chalked the queue. So it's as simple as that. <laughs> and in terms of. Um, yourself based on the career you've had from the schoolboy days at Ipswich going to Burnley having the, the, the experiences at York as a player, player manager the, the spells that come after that um, what advice would you give to anyone who's considering a career as a player or considering a career in coaching or management based on your experience? You have to have a work ethic I think it's, it's a big desire and, and things and you've got to be driven Um Make sure you've got a, you you understand what your support mechanisms are, um, and and what your bubble is, and I, and I do always stress this to young players. 
because you, 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 you'll have an inner bubble and you've got to be very, very careful who you just invite into that. Yeah, the outside of that, you'll have different kind of um, support mechanisms, but your actual tight inner circle makes you that's very, very trusted um, and worth it. And it's tough, you know, it, but ask for help and ask for advice and you always keep learning um, and, and you've got to always keep learning. You've got to keep evolving. This game's changed an, an awful lot since I started kicking about as a four or five year old um, to where I'm at now um, and, and different things from VAR to things. Stay current and, and, and keep learning because every game, even even last night I was watching Crew Swindon um, and, and seeing it, I, I learned something from that game. I learned something from watching Blackburn on, on, on Saturday against Barnsley in different formations. So be a scholar of the game and, and don't be frightened to. And certainly the youngsters ask questions. I love, love kids and, and as a coach, the ones who ask the questions, they're the ones who want to get better, the ones who challenge you. Um, and it's no different. You, you can see the young coaches and they're the ones who, who come through and you can see um, and ask other managers, think, oh, crikey me, that, that, that was a good team and they've gone on to manage or they've been involved in football. They ask questions and they challenge managers. So never, never be scared to challenge a manager or, or, or authority to that point, but be respectful while you do it. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song